What's up and welcome to the Crude Oil Podcast, a weekly uncensored Edmonton Oilers podcast with your hosts, Sean and Greg. What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It is the Jochen Hesch Ooh, episode. I, I like Jochen Hesch. So did I. That, he came over in, from like St. Louis, right? I think so. I remember him from Buffalo. Oh, because he played in Buffalo oh, right. yeah, during the yeah, Chris yeah. Drury, Maxime Finneganov years. Yeah. Huh. Danny Briere, things like that. Yeah. Anyways, how's it going? It's going good. How's it's your weekend? been a good weekend. Yeah. Um, and now, currently, the Oilers are winning, so it's been pretty good. This is a typical Oilers game where my emotions are all over the, over the place. So. Yeah, yeah. We should mention we're recording live during the, uh, the Pittsburgh game. Um, I'm going to try not to turn away from my mic too much to pay attention, so I'll, I'll let you guide the TV and the excitement that's going on here in the third. But, um, yeah, lots to talk about, lots of games that um, uh, kind of went through over the past week, and we'll, we'll get into those. But uh, do you want to just jump into what we've seen so far tonight? Yeah, I think so. I think that'd be a good idea. Off the top of our head, yeah. yeah. Try to get these live thoughts out of our heads while we still can. It was not looking good to start things off. <laughs> well, like... Let's be honest, like, I don't blame the shots as much on um, the Oilers themselves, but it's more on the power plays. Mm. We can't give them three power plays and expect not to get outshot for one. 20 shots with three power plays. Like, 20 shots is a lot. I'm not going to say it's not, but when they have three power plays to R1, it's going to result in that. And to be fair, I think Edmonton did a fantastic job on pushing pittsburgh to the outside on the power play and only really giving them outside shots it sucked on the one the first goal that uh pittsburgh scored mm-hmm. from raquel where mm-hmm. it was just a huge screen so he never had a chance i think it was murray i believe um I, yeah i'm not too sure on that one i i was the one that stands out to me is is the uh the crosby goal like the just the absolute lack of awareness mm-hmm. that darnell nurse had with uh that pass across crease. Like, I know he was picking up one of the trailer, but you got to be cognizant that Leon Dreisaitl's busting his ass from the other end. I think Nurse just jumped on the ice. Like, just no awareness that Crosby's sitting in that slot. So from every angle I could find, the only thing I saw was Dreisaitl coasting in from the blue line and way behind Crosby and not in the play at all. Like, was he trying to back check? I, or, I don't know. Because from what I could tell, he was just floating there looking like dis like controller disconnected Ovechkin from yeah. the meme all those years ago. He was just floating <laughs> there while Crosby was flying in back door. But so he- personally on that play, I was going to blame Dreisaitl more than anything else. And CeCe's inability to apparently knock Raquel off the puck somehow. I will not miss playing Ricard Raquel like five times a season. He like, has Edmonton's number. All yeah. those years in Anaheim, he was always like, I was thought like, how does this guy not score 50 every year? Yeah, it's... It, he, he has a tendency to light us up, so it's it's good riddance. I it's guess. the same thing with like Nikolai Ehlers out of Winnipeg. They just yeah. like they seem like they're gods against Edmonton, but then they're just like they're good players, but they're not like crazy good. Like they seem to play against Edmonton. I would. There's someone I'm blanking on in uh, Ola Bank in uh, oh, Kevin San LeBank. Jose. Yeah, that's that's another one that always fucking just gets me. But um, yeah, I should mention it's five three right now. Or just to wait in the third period, but uh, the Oilers come out a blazing in the second. I uh, I nearly lost my breath. Obviously, we were watching it together, but when McDavid slid into the post, I thought it was like I was ready to like burn the house down. 
I was scared <laughs> to the point where I didn't even know that I should be scared. I was just kind of like, what happened? Yeah. Because I kind of missed it because I watched him pass the Yamamoto and Yamamoto completely whiff on it. Yeah. And I didn't even see it. Next thing I see is McDavid sliding into the end boards. I didn't see the post it. And he's like writhing in pain. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. It was, it was definitely scary, um, but I'm, I'm glad that he, he came back. But it seemed that kind of seemed to be the turning point in this game. I know uh, um, seeing McDavid go down, like, that's probably a good wake-up call to the rest of the team. Like, oh, shit, we got to step up now. Well, I think the whole team was concerned, for one. They're like, oh, shit, we have to play now. We can't just rely on McDavid <laughs> to do everything. But, yeah, it was pretty scary. That was a pretty dirty play by Petrie. I don't think he meant to, like, knock him over or anything. But McDavid had already gotten rid of, rid of the puck, and he decides to, like, play the body on him anyways by essentially pushing on his lower back to knock him down. Yeah. So, yeah, doing that kind of shit, that could have, like, luckily, it ended up so far not being much. We'll see after the game if there's anything that comes out of that. I'm sure he'll have some bruising back there. Yeah. But um, it could have ended up like a fucking Stamkos injury where Stamkos broke his leg, but yeah. it could have been his back. Yeah, it, uh, it, was, it was scary, but... I still think there's a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up right now. Like I, I don't. Uh, hopefully everything's fine. But just for reference, yeah, Edmonton did throttle them. Shots were twenty six to four that period in the second. Yeah, for Edmonton. Jesus. Yeah, we thought it was a lopsided first period. Yeah, and then yeah. Edmonton's like, no, we'll show you what a lopsided period Two is. Two absolute complete different games. Um, the Tyson Berry goal. I just wanted to talk about what a freaking like. That, that looked like, what's that game where you drop a coin in? You don't know where it's going to... Oh, it's just like plinkoing <laughs> everywhere. Plinko, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that puck had a mind of its own. It yeah. just wanted to get to the back of the net. That's, just for McDavid, it was just like, we got to do this for him. That's a hockey god's goal right there. Yeah, it's like watching the Simpsons and Homer's little do-it-for-her sign, but it's just pictures <laughs> of McDavid everywhere. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, so they, they pick up that one without McDavid on the ice. Um, and then, obviously... The goals at the end of the period just seemed to come in flurry. Like Kane, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl. Like it was just back to back to back to back. You know, I'm just glad Kane could hit the net because literally (laughs) I have my notes here in front of me. Just before I was like, Kane needs to learn how to hit the net. Yeah. And then lo and behold, he learns how to hit the net and he scores. Yeah, it's been been a tough start to the season, I think, for Evander Kane. But it's I think he's starting to slowly pick it up. I think the whole team's kind of had a slow start. I was going to say. The timing of everybody has just been so off. Well, and you're seeing uncharacteristic stuff like McDavid's passes in the feet. and. Well, there was one pass I remember distinctively in the St. Louis game where Drysaddle tried to pass it across to McDavid, and he passed it like six feet in front of him. It misses him. It, like, it has to go to the boards, bounce off. McDavid has to skate to get the puck before he can do anything. Yeah. It's like Drysaddle never misses that pass. Exactly. Like, I don't know how he ended up doing that. It's, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're still figuring things out. I mean, um... I'm not going to lie, the the meter of, like, when do we start panicking is getting shorter and shorter for me, um, especially in a, a 3-1 game, like, where uh, we were staring into at the start of the second here. Like, I was really, really nervous to see what uh, ended up happening, but... There was a really great play there by Nurse to break up a two-on-one. Oh. So, got to give Nurse some props, because sometimes we like to roast him for his patented laydown play, <sighs> but when it works, it works. You can't argue with that. Yeah. I just have an issue with Darnell Nurse this year. I, I don't know what it is, but it feels like he's jumping up into a lot of plays um, a lot more. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think we're, we're seeing a lot more offensive chances from him. Um, but at the same breath, I do find that he's getting caught defensively a lot. 
and I don't think the Oilers are the team to... I mean, granted, you have the best defenseman on the team on it, like, playing with him, but I don't know. Well, I think part of the problem is Edmonton probably needs some more defensive-minded defensemen on their team Mm. because you have guys like Nurse, Bouchard, Barry, even Kulak. They all like to jump up into the play, and especially when Kulak's out there, because yeah. he's usually partnered with Bouchard or Barry, then one or, one or both of them are hopping up into the play, and then there's nobody back. Or one of the forwards has to be covering, and it just kind of kills the play in the offensive zone because they can't get the cycle going because all three of their four, or one of their forwards has to be back, so they can't cycle properly with two guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the exact play, but... Um, so the other goals were in the period before we move on past that was Nuge who scored off of a Hyman between-the-legs attempted backhand <laughs> behind the back pass that just perfectly bounced out into the slot. Not intended to pass direction, but it worked out. Nice to see Nuge get on the board again. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's going to throttle his uh, prior year goal pace that he had. I think he's slowly settling in. Well, he's going to the net, I found, which is really nice because he does have really fast hands and the ability to get a quality shot off quickly which a lot of the players don't seem to have. <laughs> like, seems, yeah. Looking at Yamamoto this year, that's another thing I wanted to point out in this game. Like, I know he had the... Um, he created the turnover that led to the Kane goal, where the puck went to dry settle and then he passed the Kane, which was good, and that's what you want out of Yamamoto. But he also needs to bury these chances. And he's yeah. had at least two, if not three, like grade-A chances in this game and he just completely whiffed on them the mcdavid pass and another one of the first period where he just completely missed the net so i was thinking about that too because i had the three people listed as kane kulak and um yamamoto as players that really have been like non-factors so far this year but i i wonder if there's any lingering injury issues with yamamoto it's possible like Like he always has i just assume he always has something just because of his stature he probably can't help but be injured in some well, way and the way all he the plays time. too yeah he's kind well, of that's like the thing a... he, even if he does have like let's just say he has a cracked rib or something he's still gonna be flying into the corners regardless he's not gonna like not do that because he'll right. end up in the fourth line if not the ahl if he doesn't be careful yeah like as much as i love the guy like he probably has a short leash kind of yeah. like pulley would have a short leash too i think both of them if they don't run with it they both have to be looking over their shoulder for something to happen. And obviously you want, like, the best of both worlds for both players. Like, uh, that's the one thing I've noticed is there seems to be this, like, dichotomy of, like, Oilers fans out there right now that are, like, Team Pugliarvi or Team Yamamoto, and they're going at it, and nobody takes the time to be like... And obviously we've been defensive of uh, Pugliarvi, but um, I just feel like everybody's just arguing about who's better, who should be playing where, where, like... We want them to both succeed. Like, I mean, in a perfect world, they're both 20 to 30 goal scorers and w- like 60 points or something like that. And we're laughing to the bank. Yeah. Like that'd be perfect because we finally have our top six scoring right wingers that we need on this team. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're sitting here arguing like which one of them is really playing worse at this point, <laughs> yeah. which is like, I don't know if that's just Edmonton as a whole right now is not playing great, but um it just hasn't been good. I just watched Yamamoto whiff on a one-timer. Oh, so continuing yeah. <laughs> the trend of whiffing on some he's, decent chances. He's consistent, if not anything. Yeah. Um, we all need right. to talk about the dry, our dry sidle goal too. Okay. 
Because he just walked right around the defenseman and just roofed it with a backhand. I was going to say, that's the most, like, Dreisaitl-esque Dreisaitl shift I've seen Two this on year. one. Oh. And good defensive play. Um, that's the most Dreisaitl-esque shift I think I've seen him play. Um, just where he kind of manhandles the puck and he just walked that, I think, was it Dumoulin? I yeah, think so. just staring at his shoes, uh, but it was, it was nice yeah. to... Drysaddle's to one of those guys, he seems like he has no fear of getting hit because he always has his head down. I don't know where he's going with that head down, but he's trying to go th- through anybody he sees. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got the complete opposite mindset of, like, McDavid, for example. He just likes to try and skate through you and hope for the best. McDavid will burn you to the outside, and Drysaddle will just go right through you, and you'll be like, <laughs> how the fuck did that just happen? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a hell of hell of a goal. But uh, as this game shakes out, um, we might as well take a, a walk into the past. We'll start with Buffalo last Tuesday because there are some important things that happened uh, in that game. Obviously, fun fact, it's the first time in NHL history that two goaltenders from Edmonton both faced off in Edmonton. Oh, really? Yeah, Eric Comrie and Stuart Skinner. So. I'm surprised that there hasn't been some other goalies from Edmonton in the NHL who have played against each other. Carter Hart's from Edmonton, right? And area, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Like, I think Sherwood Park, but that's Uh, considered Edmonton, (laughs) technically. So it hasn't become its own entity yet. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yeah, no, the, the game against the Sabres, like, I think I underestimated them coming in. They've got a good young team. But just some of the stuff that you're seeing from their young like players is unreal. Like, um, just the first thing that comes to mind is that Tage Thompson goal that he just walked. Like they should be showing that in hockey schools. Yeah. Like that was a clinic he put on there. Um, Honestly, Buffalo I think is finally coming into their own. They got rid of that uh, that cancer Jack Eichel out of the <laughs> out of the room and got rid of that. Um, that anchor Rasmus Ristolainen, and suddenly they're figuring out how to play properly. Yeah. Um, and I think when they got rid of Kruger, from what I've seen, people have liked to use the term um, hockey terrorist Ralph Kruger because he only ruins everybody's games. <laughs> Makes Jeff Skinner play on the fourth line and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it's just the team just looks happy. They well, look like they're having fun. Yeah. And it's the complete opposite of Vancouver, essentially. I exactly. I think it starts in like with Alex Tuck when he came over in that trade. Like he was so excited. Obviously, like he's from there, but he just came in with a positive mindset. And obviously, when you don't have that outlook for how many years that they've had, yeah, um, it's it's nice to see them like buy in. But uh, yeah, well, I a think fresh coach, fresh players. Like I think. Like I said, they when they moved up Eichel and uh, Ristolainen and kind of moved around their leadership core a little bit more towards like uh, Dahlin and Tuck, for example, yeah. like you said. And I think they just bring a lot more of a positive vibe because they haven't been through ten years of suffering, <laughs> only a couple years for like Dahlin, for example. Yeah. Um, the only other things that stand out, obviously, the one. The biggest thing is Eric Comrie stood on his head. Like, he was fantastic. He was the reason they won that game, especially yeah. in the third period. Yeah. That was, like, an absolute clinic of how to sh- lock down a game as a goalie. Yeah. Not on Buffalo's part defensively by any means, giving up the <laughs> amount of shots that they did. <laughs> they but. did not They did not help themselves. 48 shots, like, that. that's a lot for a guy in a night. I mean, well, Edmonton's training there tonight, but... Um, it was 23 alone in the third period, like... yeah. 
Talk about a team playing on their heels. I think Buffalo was pretty lucky to get out of that one. Yeah, I I would completely agree. Um, The one thing I do want to not forget about is the absolute hospital pass from uh, Warren Fogle. Ah, yes. The death of Dylan Holloway. Jesus Christ, did he get fucking rocked. Like, to be fair, Holloway needs to keep his head up. He cannot take a, a pass at center ice like that. And not have his head up. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> but with that being said, Fogel, the veteran player, should not be making that pass either. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to just... I have to put all these precursors and shit like this. Um, because, obviously, I hope Dylan Holloway's okay. Obviously, like, you want the best for him. But it was nice to see a check like that in hockey again with, like, out people blowing up. Like, that was a clean, hard check. Like, I would have still, if that hit was on one of Holloway, McDavid, or Drysaddle, for example, like, are your star players or your young players? Yeah. I still, I know it was clean. I want to see more of a reaction. Yeah, I I, I think that's what um, I'm okay with. Like, the Fogel going up and sticking up for a teammate, no problem with that. It's just nice to see that people aren't, like, freaking out that, oh, it was a dirty hit. Like, yeah. That. My, 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 that's where my brain first went. Yeah. And then I remembered kind of like what entails a dirty hit, like principal point of contact and everything. Mm-hmm. Like he may have like, he hit him in the chest and he may have like maybe rode up a little bit and then got him. And that's why his face was bleeding and things like that. But that's kind of just any hit. It kind of will always slide off and go somewhere else. But it was as clean as you can really want. If Nima Linen threw that hit on somebody or something like that, yeah. I'd be cheering in the streets. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, I'm hoping Holloway's fine. I think he is, relatively speaking. They never put him on IR, so he can't beat that injured. I doubt it's a concussion. Yeah, day-to-day, right? Yeah. I think that's what it's listed. So, so. I think at the end of the day, it, it just is what it is. Yeah. I would have liked to see somebody fight him, but then again, I don't want to see Nurse... Or Kane, for example, go off five minutes just to fight uh, Labushkin. I'm I'm glad Fogel stepped in, knowing that it was his fault. Essentially, Par- yeah. partially his fault. I'm yeah, not I'm happy he was the first way. one in to be like. He's probably like every time he's like in there trying to fucking jab him or whatever. He's like, "Fuck, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty funny. Um, while we're on this point, uh, we talked about this earlier. I want to discuss it a little bit because it happened with the game tonight. One of the weirdest. Like niche rules of the hockey, I find is the the extra two minutes that you get when you cut someone, and so I there's some like discrepancy, like you mentioned with the Holloway thing. Although it's a clean hit, but he's cut. Like, should that not? Like, would you think that that should be a penalty? Like, I I don't get the purpose of this. Well, I think I need to do some more research on what the spirit of a double minor is. Right. For example, where essentially drawing bud is a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think, in theory, if that's what it is, like, if you draw blood, it's a penalty, then, yeah, it should probably play into that. But at the same time, I understand where they're coming from, that I think face stick infractions are one of the most dangerous things outside of, like, major penalties, like hits from behind and stuff, because you can take somebody's eye out. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think they want to cut down on that and make it very, very punishable. So I have no issue with it. The reason I was asking is because in the game tonight, Crosby obviously got this stick in the face from Darnell Nurse, and he bled. But um, it went to a commercial break. However, Crosby's out on the ice for the very next shift. Like, if the purpose of getting an additional two minutes because you cut someone, it's because they can't play, because you can't play with an open wound, obviously. So 
I, I just, I don't understand. I get that there's a commercial break. There might have been time to patch up Crosby or whatever, but there should still be some formality to that. Yeah. Even if he jumps on the ice after the puck's drop. I just, I don't know. Well, after this game... Or after this podcast, I'll go do some research over the next <laughs> couple of days, take some time to go find out exactly why that the double minor is a thing in the first place. Because to my knowledge as well, it doesn't it only really apply to high sticking penalties? I think so, yeah. Like it doesn't apply to anything else. Like I don't know if you cross check a guy in the face and draw blood, if that I, would be a double minor. Yeah, I technically think, high sticking, you're hitting him with your stick in the face. So. I think when it's like uh discretionary it can it can be elevated to like a match penalty, but I, I think it has to be pretty egregious for that. But yeah. Um yeah, just wanted to to bring that up before we move off of Buffalo. Obviously they didn't get the result they wanted. Uh Buffalo kinda walked all through Alberta with their uh, uh, heads held high. I, I know they, they whopped Calgary too. So, Well, like um, we said, Buffalo's a good team. Yep. Changing the guard. Changing the guard. Um, moving into Carolina, uh, the Oilers, again, not again, actually. This is the first, probably their best start to a hockey game this year. Oh, yeah. Like, it was nice to actually not give up the first goal. It was weird to feel that. I know I was walking... Um, when the game started and I got the update on my phone, I was like, oh, fuck, we actually scored first? Like, I was ready to come back to a house where we're down 2 nothing or something. I mean, that's just kind of commonplace for us at this point. <laughs> I did see an interesting stat that I can't remember the period it's over, but it's at least since last year that Edmonton has like a 90% win rate if they score first. Oh, interesting. So keep that in mind for this game where they scored first, too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Are we heading to a power play right now? Yes, McGinn took an interference penalty. Still but the replay three. they showed did not look like an interference penalty. It looked like focal a focal trip, if anything. So I don't know. I kind of missed that one. Huh. That's part of the problem is like I'm distracted talking and not paying <laughs> t- n- attention to the game, or I'm paying attention to the game and can't talk. I'm just talking away here, not listening to me. No big deal. Um, yeah, so obviously Hyman with the first goal, that was nice to see. But Jesus Christ, is Sveshnikov good? Sveshnikov is scary. He has like one of the best shots in the league up there with like Ovi and Matthews and Dreisaitl, for example. It's so quick. Cause like the first one that he scored, it was kind of like, a, I don't know. It, it looked like it was a bit on edge. The second one was for sure on edge, but like uh Campbell couldn't read any of those shots. They just well, came off. Like just before that too, he had two shots. The first one Campbell saved with the end of a stick. Yes. Just barely saved it. And then right after that, Sveshnikov has a wide open net that he misses. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, damn, I thought this guy was a sniper. And then turns out he is, and I was wrong. I know, um, yeah, he's, he's one of the most underrated, I think, NHL players. I know talking to uh, Jordan Martinuk, um, he's, he's mentioned to me a couple of times, like, uh, just when he talks about the, the talented players that he's played against, like he said... Probably Svechnikov should be, like, top five in the league. To be fair, Martin, Martinuk's a little biased. He loves Svechnikov. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard those pregame <laughs> Mr. Svechnikovs. That is true. There's a new thing every year, apparently, so I, I'm intrigued to see what it is this year. Well, unfortunately, Martinuk got sent it. down, didn't he? No, he was playing. To my knowledge, I thought he got sent down to the AHL at the beginning of the year. He might be called he's, up he, now, he, but... He was here in Edmonton. Okay. He was playing on the second line with Stahl. Oh, well, look at that. Look yeah, how much yeah. I pay attention. <laughs> It's always nice when uh, when buddies come to town. So, um, yeah. So obviously, with those those 
Um, two goals from Svechnikov. They found themselves up by one after, but let's not glance over um, the power kill. <laughs> Another shorty. Um, it It's coming like... I saw tonight, obviously, Edmonton gave up the power play goal, so that makes it they're they're consistently giving up at least one power play goal every single game, which has got to change. But they're also seeming to score shorthanded every single game, too. Well, at least every other game, which, <laughs> to be fair, that's all you really want. I'd rather kill penalties, to yeah. be fair, because yeah. our penalty kill has not been fantastic this year. That, um, but it's hard to complain when you score a goal. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, I wonder if that's, like the recipe for the reason we're giving up, you know, these goals. Maybe we're a little offensive-minded. Well, I was watching this game with uh, my roommate, and he's not an Oilers fan, but he was watching the Oilers power play, or penalty kill, rather, and he, in his words, he's like, I've never seen a power play, like, who wants to, or a penalty kill, sorry. I keep getting those mixed up. A penalty (laughs) kill who wants to score more than Edmonton's penalty kill. They're out there, like, looking for any chance they can get mm. to get that stick in the lane and just go. Yeah. Which sometimes opens up lanes for the other team because if they do miss that, they're already half committing to leaving the zone, which kind of opens up that crossing pass and ends up fucking them over once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's working. It's right now. We'll see if it creates more of a problem, like, later on in the year uh, when teams kind of get it figured out. So... See if things kind of continue. But, yeah, Ryan McLeod <laughs> gets the uh, the Oilers up and uh, on the board there. Um, Kane finally gets his first goal. It was a long time coming. I mean, he was a little snake bitten, and usually he yeah. scores in bunches, so I'm surprised he hasn't had, like, any multi-goal games yet. <laughs> yeah, I-, I have a feeling tonight's coming. Tonight's coming. Well, there's still, I think, 10 minutes or so left in the game, so I guess we'll see 8.35 left in the game. Nice. Okay. I can't even see the TV, so this uh, is probably... We won't play. have much commentary on this third period, and to be fair, it's been pretty, like... It's been a little back and forth, but more of a defensive battle this period from what I can tell. Honestly, that's probably a good thing for us. Oh, if you're winning, of course yeah. it is. But, yeah, just the... The odd on-man rush going both ways, but we broke up the two-on-one. They broke up the two-on-one, so it's been a little, little meh, I guess. The power play there by Edmonton, from what I noticed while I was talking, it wasn't that effective. Uh, Didn't really get much going on it. I don't feel. I feel like our our power play is a little bit snake bitten this year. Speaking of, yeah. I think our power play is not snake bitten, and that we are way too um, spoiled. By last year, where That's we fair, had like yeah. 50% at the beginning of the year. Because I believe our power play is still third in the league at like 37.5%. And we're like, our power play is not good enough, damn it. It was like... <laughs> Every single time we have to be scoring. Imagine if you're like um, Vancouver, where after three games they were a minus two on their power play because they gave up two shorties yeah. and scored nothing. Man, Vancouver. What a tire fire there. Oh. Uh. We'll, we'll get into that maybe one day, but... <laughs> I think we have a lot of games to cover. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, the Oilers walk away from uh, Carolina, evening up their record at two and two. I know there is, is chaos. I'm going to be complete honest. I missed the third period. I I was just following up on on uh, scores, but um, I was just curious if you had any insights to the third. I really don't like with this many games in such a short period of time. I was it complaining like last lot. week yeah. about like two day gaps between games. 
But now that I'm like realizing that I need to like mentally know what I'm talking about for this podcast, I'm like, damn, these are this is too many games. When it's not your full time job, it's hard to be like a <laughs> like a Gregor or something where you know every play of every game because you've watched it three times. Breakaway. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, what a save by Jari. Ah. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'm like, all I see at the corner of my eyes, like, oh, that's an Oilers player in by himself. Breakaway. <laughs> But yeah, it's hard to keep up, and like I can understand why a lot of people, like who do a podcast, for example, yeah. tend to be people who are just only doing sports-related content because that's kind of all they know and all yeah. they have time to do. Yeah, um, like we're just talking about one team. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think that's a perfect transition into St. Louis because one of the weirdest things that I saw, we were a week and a half into the schedule, well, two weeks, because it started theoretically on that Friday. That was only St. Louis's third game. Yeah, they haven't had many games this year. I have, uh, I'm in a fantasy league and I have Robert Thomas and Pavel Bushnevich. Where's the points? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, like these players have barely played at all. I don't know what's going on. Like, I know Bushnevich is injured, but like, talk, another two on one. Uh oh. See, now uh-oh. this game's opening up. <laughs> you keep saying uh oh, but that's for us. Oh, I can't see the TV. I know. <laughs> Yeah, we're like, well, let's watch the game together. The TV's pointed at me, and you can't even see it. Uh, yeah, so the Oilers come in. The Oilers come in. St. Louis comes into town on Saturday. I have a beef with these 2 o'clock games. I fucking hate them. This game I recorded because yeah. I was super busy on Saturday working, and I wasn't available to watch till like, 7. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're able to avoid your phone, yeah. recording games is the best thing you can do because we finished that game in, like, an hour. Oh, yeah. Because skip every, like, pretty much if the whistle blows, you hit skip. As long as you didn't care about a replay, you can it will go right to the next face-off. Every commercial, you hit skip three times, skips all three commercials, you're right back to the game. Jeez. And then, obviously, you can skip through all of intermission. Oh, see, I have an issue where we're coming up to the holiday se- season. My PVR is loaded with the W network. So uh, <laughs> Every Christmas movie in existence. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's there's so much stuff that you can uh, you can you know get get past without having to to watch or sit through skip through how many gambling ads. <laughs> oh, exactly, like that's <laughs> not, the thing. I'm, I'm falling behind on my gambling ads. I don't know what's new, what's fresh. Uh, I just so I took a look at the Oilers' schedule. I don't know if this is a new thing that uh, they're doing this year, but the Oilers have like half a dozen games that start at two o'clock on Saturdays. Really? Yeah. That seems aggressive. Like, I, I don't... I well, don't... If they're on Saturdays, I almost get it. Because the reason this game was at 2 o'clock, for example, is that Toronto and Winnipeg played at 5. Yeah. Plus Montreal played at 5. Plus Calgary played at 8. Plus Vancouver played at 8. So they had all the Canadian teams playing. So they wanted to make sure that they were all on TV at different times. I just... Yeah. Because I, I understand it. two games on at the same time. With the Canadian teams for CBC, yeah. But as soon as there's three games, I think that's when it gets a little lost. So it kind of we just kind of got fucked. Personally, I think it's Calgary who should get fucked because I hate them. But that's just <laughs> Calgary me. can go get fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like watching Vancouver get fucked because it's funny. But oh. yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I don't know. Two o'clock games, not the worst, not the best. And I think they want to grow a little bit with a younger fan base, and those it's... afternoon games let kids go. I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. As long as it's not a 2 o'clock game on, like, a Wednesday. That's fair. Then yeah. nobody's going to be there yeah. or everyone's calling in sick to work. That's that's another argument for another day. But, like, the, whoever's scheduling these fucking baseball postseason games, like, 
obviously people may not know listening on my gigantic baseball nerd. And so I've been trying to watch these fucking postseason games, but they're starting at like 11 in the morning, two in the afternoon. Like who, who's going to these games? That's what happens when you play a sport where they play like a million times a year <laughs> and they have to jam all these games. I will the not put up with baseball slander on this podcast. Well, well we shouldn't talk about it then. Cause I will slander the shit out of baseball. Okay. Um, on the topic of 2 p.m. games, uh, I also saw the Oilers' record during matinees all time is like 80 and 122. It's always been bad. Yeah. For a team that starts slow, like we can't start in the afternoon because we start extra slow. So that looks good for November because the first weekend we have a 2 o'clock game against Dallas. The next weekend we have a 2 o'clock game against Florida. Uh, two weeks after that we have an 11 o'clock game against New York. It's just they're – there's what two more in December one see it's, you're you're looking at this as an opportunity for us to fail I like to think of it as an opportunity for redemption where this team can prove that they can actually win matinee games oh I, I'm just talking about it fucking with my schedule that's, oh, that's true yeah. the, the midday Saturday <laughs> games it makes for a fun day yeah but well I, I think digress. we got a little off track St. Louis and Edmonton <laughs> played each other in one of the most boring games I've ever watched, giving me shades of uh, Minnesota in the late early two twenty or two thousands and two thousand tens, yeah, that was that was something to watch. I'll tell you that much. That's kind it of St. Louis brand hockey, I guess. But it, there's no jump to anything. Like nobody looked interested to be there. Well, ever it's everyone's usually taking the pregame nap at two o'clock. Yeah. So none of them, I, I don't think anybody, even on, like, St. Louis, looked like they were really ready or even trying to be well be there at, in the first place. At the halfway point of the game, there was 22 shots on net from both teams. It's like there was that many shots by one team in one period. In yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it was, yeah. Nobody was clicking. I think it was evident on Saturday a lot of the timing issues that the Oilers have. Like, passes were going into people's feet, behind people, like... I'd be interested to pull up the uh, passing percentage just to see what that was at. Well, like I but said, was... there was that terrible dry sidle pass to McDavid that just missed by a mile. Yeah, but um, was it the was it the St. Louis game where Kulak blew another tire? Yes, and then also had one of possibly the worst giveaways I've ever seen in my life that Jack Campbell bailed him the fuck out of. Yes, yes, um, <sighs> that's that got my heart rate going in the worst way. I'm just like, Kulak, what are you doing? Like, I've seen some comments from people talking about, like, oh, he's been, like, lifted into that second pairing role. Like, it's more responsibility, so he's just adjusting to that. But, like, I don't care if you're a fucking, like, I don't know, peewee player. You should be making that fucking mistake. Yeah. He's had a tough start to this year. He is not the Brett Kulak that showed up for the Oilers last well, year. Well, I got to wonder if somebody's, like, sabotaging his skates or something. Another two-on-one. <laughs> For Edmonton? Yeah. Oh, one on oh. There it oh, is. Bingo. Ryan McLeod. My boy. <laughs> he did it just for you, Sean. I got that text from somebody when he scored that shorthanded goal. He's like, your boy, he did it. <laughs> I was like, you know it. I love Ryan McLeod. You're just going to get a 71 jersey that just says my boy on the back. <laughs> exactly. Everybody will know. It'll be like capital B so it looks like McLeod. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. Kulak was just, I felt, there's been a handful of times uh, that Jack Campbell's been put unreasonably out to dry, 
with uh, just boneheaded plays this year. And I know it's early, and a lot of those brain farts are, are happening, but um, I just it's it's happening way too often. Obviously, you hope that they clean it up, and it's just like kinks that they're shaking out. But well, it leads to the first period of this game, and like I didn't notice as much in the second because we're dominating pretty hard, and I haven't been paying enough attention to the third. But Edmonton. Their transition game has completely lost it. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is, if they don't have good enough support from the forwards or if everyone's timing is just off because it's early in the season. But nobody seems to be able to make those short little passes to get out of the zone. Everyone's panicking. Puck's chipping all over the place. Meanwhile, in the other end, the other team just gets possession and calmly passes it out or passes it away out of the zone unless Hyman or Yamamoto is there like threatening them. Yeah. So I don't know if it means everybody on our team needs to start playing like that, but I don't know what the fuck is happening. I I feel like everyone's a little bit lost. And I feel bad picking on one person because, like, the whole team was not great. Um, but I felt like Evan Bouchard, like, I don't know if he was out late on Friday night, but it just looked lost. Yeah, it wasn't great by him, but I don't know. And like, he's still a young player; he'll have up and right. down games. I got to give that, him the benefit of the doubt because this game, for example, say, he's having a great game. He's having, he, yeah. There was two stretch passes that both resulted in Hyman breakaways, of which he scored on one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's exactly what he's here to do. Exactly is a great ba- breakout pass that leads into a like chance, preferably a breakaway every time. It's like, sure, why not? But like. <laughs> It's, I don't know what it is. You got to wonder if the, my cousin was trying to convince me of this. I still don't necessarily believe this part of it, that the absence of Keith as a calming presence on the back end is kind of impacting the team a little bit. I've said this too. I've said this too. Okay. Yeah. I, I think there's elements to the Oilers locker room that is missing. I know he's what player development or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'd be willing to bet, obviously, because I'm not in the room. I don't know. I think they're missing that veteran-like presence because when you think about it, who's there? I know McDavid and Dreisaitl are expected to be those, like, leaders, but... I mean, at this point, a lot of the players on this team should be considered veterans. Yeah, but I... Yeah. I was going to say they don't have the experience, but this is coming off of a, a yeah. Western Conference well, just... Maybe they just showing. don't have the leadership pedigree that especially a Duncan Keith brings with him, yeah. right? And then another thing to consider is on the defense, especially with their transitional play, is for the past, what, three years, they've been so reliant on Mike Smith mm-hmm. and him getting the puck behind the net and making more than just like a five, ten foot pass to whichever defenseman is on his left or his right. Um, and actually sometimes making passes up to the forwards and like pretty much being that third defenseman who makes a great breakout pass. Yeah. Where the defensemen don't even like, say, for example, if like Pittsburgh here dumps in the puck, puck goes behind the net and Campbell goes back, he'll play it to essentially the two corners like in the trapezoids yeah. or outside of the trapezoid. And when Smith was in net, he, the defenseman would be at like the top of the circle yeah. and he'd be able to pass to them, which makes it so much easier for the defenseman to like turn around and make that play. I, I That's a great point. I think there probably is... It, they obviously would have to change their game entirely from um, not having that same approach. And you can't expect Jack Campbell to come in and adapt his game either. Well, you have to take it with a grain of salt as well, because, like, I make this point, but Smith only played, like, half the games each season, and Koskinen or Skinner was in the net for the other ones. But you could kind of see Koskinen, like, when Talbot was around, like, Koskinen never left the net. 
Yeah, it's true. Smith has that kind of effect on everybody I think he played <laughs> with. Like, you got to know that he's been talking to those guys in practice. Like, yeah, just do it. Do it. Tell you, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, other than that, just a sleeper of a game. Well, with, like, uh, it was kind of annoying, too, in this game. I'll get into this game with you. Like, the St. Louis game? Yeah, there was yeah. one goal yeah. from Tori Krug, really. Like, I'm not going to count the empty netter as a goal. Right. Um, it was that first period penalty. There was no penalties for the entire game until the third period where there was one power play for Edmonton, which at that point, they still had no energy and just didn't have it in them. I wanted to... Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing... I don't know. I'm going to start paying um, more attention to the refereeing crews. And <laughs> I know you brought it up before about the idea of starting a podcast, just reviewing referees. Oh, yeah. Like, me it's and my not friend had that idea. Uh, discussion about doing that. I wonder, like, if there's different crews that call things differently because, like, they were letting everything that was getting called a penalty. I'm not saying that I didn't like the way the game was called, but there's just no consistency game to game. That's the win. The game is over. Edmonton wins 6-3. to three. You'll love to see it. First regulation loss of the year for Pittsburgh. Good. There we go. Get them out of here. Um, yeah, there's just no consistency from uh, uh, everything like game to game. You don't know what you're going to get. and Well, that's what happens when you leave half the decisions to professional judgment. That's when true. there's too many gray areas for everything. <laughs> Even in today's game, like I'll just talk about it quick. There was the, the Kane hooking penalty, I'm going to say. And I'm air quoting right now. I don't so know if I caught this. He hooks what like he hooks towards his gloves, but it's on the lower part of his stick, so it's not between his hands, and it hooks onto the stick and maybe touches his hand. And it barely looks like a hook. They call it hooking. Literally immediately afterwards, Kane like as soon as he's done hooking, he just gets like tripped and like instantly. And there's no call. And I'm just like, how do you call that a penalty? That's kind of a weak call to a blatant fucking tripping penalty. Well, yeah, and I think we saw it too with the Hyman penalty as well where uh, I don't know who went down the corner and then when uh, Jari was skating out, like completely slip foots dry sidle. Yeah, that needs to that needs to be discussed, I think, too, is like whose responsibility is it to like get out of the way? Because like obviously dry sidle's back checking. Yeah. And Jari just kind of, he's trying to skate in front of Drysaddle at the same time Drysaddle's trying to skate. It's a pick play. And it's like, you're the goalie. Go behind him yeah. and get to the bench. You're not supposed to be involved in the play. That was absolutely deliberate. Like, that's a pick play. That should be called every single time. But Yeah, it was a complete joke that that, like, the they were talking about potentially calling Drysaddle a, a penalty on him. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's coincidentals. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah, let's leave St. Louis behind we'll move on to this game here <laughs> yeah the st louis game it was pretty bland no penalties no nothing and honestly it's a good one to just walk away from and just say it was a bad game from everyone outside of the goalies the good thing about a 2 p.m game and losing it and kind of you know being there at with that point what two and four yeah you can oh, get three because we're now three and three. Oh, geez why am i so like negative um we did not lose this game tonight <laughs> we won damn it um is is you can go and hopefully the the guys got together you know got some sort of team bonding in whether it's going out on the town having everybody over or whatever because like sometimes that's half the battle like I think of um, was it Glenn Gullitson with the the Flames when they're having that like real terrible stretch and like they just he brought in a case of beer and he's like we're figuring this out until we leave the room. Yeah, I like, think Vancouver needs to do something like that oh right about now. God. We're just going to keep bringing up how much it sucks to be a Vancouver fan right now. I don't feel bad at all. 
I don't feel bad at all. I don't feel bad. I think it's funny, but like, like, sucks to be a fan still. Uh, realistically, did anyone expect like? Well, I guess they didn't expect it to be this bad, but. Well, I expected a little bit more out of their offense. Honestly, I think their offense is really, really strong, and their defense is super, super weak. But I thought it would just be high-scoring games because of that. Because good offense, bad defense. Look at Edmonton; they're kind of in the same boat. Like well, when your top three centers are Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat. Yeah, like it's similar to running a like not quite as big three, but it's like a big three in Edmonton, where it's like who do you match your defense against? Third pairings going against pretty much a second line center, no matter where you go. So. <laughs> Tough sledding there in Vancouver. Um, yeah, so the Oilers wrap up 6-3 is the final? 6-3 is the nice. final. Yes, I did have so, a couple notes that I wanted to quickly mention Sure. from um, my notes that I made during the periods. One of which was Hunter has that stupid fucking drum where he does the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun yep. <laughs> and then let's go Oilers. Yeah. My dog fucking hates it. He keeps thinking somebody's knocking at the door and he won't stop barking whenever that there's a let's go Oilers It's hilarious. It's driving me insane. <laughs> Um, I wanted to mention we talked about Bouchard's passes yeah. on the Hyman goal and the Hyman other Hyman breakaway rather. Um, the first pass was the f- one of the first times I've seen Bouchard, and we've talked about this, have a sense of urgency where he looks over his shoulder, sees the guy, and immediately makes the play. He doesn't sit there and like have to think about it for some reason. He actually uses his brain and goes and does it, which was great to see. I loved every second of that. Um on the power play, when Raquel scored, Murray was screening him. I mentioned this earlier. If you're going to screen your own goalie, especially if there's no opposing player around you, you better block the fucking shot. Yeah. Or get the fuck out of the way and I didn't let the think, goalie see it. I didn't think the screen was that that bad when they showed the second angle in front of it. I thought Campbell just, like, whiffed on it. Well, it was a wicked shot. Yeah. It was post-in. You can't argue with that, but still. Yeah. Like, if you're going to be in front of the goalie, get in the way of the shot and block it. It's very simple. If you were that goalie, you'd be like, dude, just get the fuck out of the way. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any additional notes from the game either. No. uh, The only thing I had is when the fuck did Jeff Petrie go to Pittsburgh? Um, That's true. You did ask about that. That was just another. That was one of Pittsburgh's cap. Or sorry, Montreal's cap dumps. They were kind of just done with him. Yeah. And he's still a quality player, to be fair. Um, whether it's like a second pairing, like I know he did have a season or two where he seemed like he was like first pairing material, but now he's kind of fallen back down. Um, and the other thing is as fully mentally, uh, prepared for Josh Archibald and Drake Kajula to light us up. Oh, that's true. I did see that third line. I was like, what is this? Like the Edmonton garbage bin line? Like what the fuck? <laughs> the only thing we hadn't had was uh, Ryan Paling on this team, but like, Jesus, I don't know what the hell they're thinking with that line. <laughs> Like, I don't mind the players, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it's... I I didn't uh, know what tonight was going to bring for Edmonton. Um, obviously, the one thing that I did want to bring up, too, is... Uh, I feel that the Oilers are putting more of an emphasis on face-offs. Uh, I think you're seeing it across the team. They finished tonight with 54% um, on the draws. And I think... Like, they've been consistent in all their games. Pittsburgh's a pretty good face-off team, too, with um, the veterans that they have on that team. Because outside of Paling, who's on the fourth line, not really a veteran, they have Malkin, Crosby, and Carter. All three of which are, like, I don't know if they're known for their face-off. Crosby, maybe, but, 
Like, they're veteran players. They know what they're doing. And it's mm-hmm. nice to see guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, even McLeod. I don't know how many Nuge took tonight. But it's nice to see them being able to compete on the faceoff dot and not having to talk about it every game about And we lose the faceoff percentage again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just on that note I had written down here, let's bring this up. Yeah, out of all the games so far this year, the Oilers have only, like, been... Um, the lesser of the the faceoff wins in two games. Okay. So they, uh, it's, I mean, puck possessions kind of the the name of the game right now. So it's always nice to see that. But uh, that was just the only thing that I pulled out from the game. Uh, not sure if you can hear the fireworks going on. I believe it's Diwali today. So. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I got out of my truck to walk over here, and I heard a firework, and I audibly said, "It's a Monday." <laughs> Like, what the fuck are you doing? But if it makes sense if it's an actual holiday for yeah. uh, a culture. So, so if I you're apologize celeb- for that. <laughs> if you're celebrating. Um, yeah, that's that's the noise going on in the background. Um, looking ahead, the uh, just looking at the schedule right now, the Oilers have St. Louis again on Wednesday. So I'm uh, Chicago on Thursday. And then the second of our three Battle of Alberta's on Saturday. Like... Why are we getting only three, and why are we getting two of them done, like, right now? Well, all of them are in the first half of the season. I know. So there's going to be no playoff implications in any of those games. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing, but I'm really hoping that we can take it to them on Saturday. Yeah. And then we also won't have to record during a game because then we have two days off until Tuesday. That's true. It's true. So um, we won't have this absolute, like, shit show of a podcast where we're all over the fucking place. <laughs> No kidding. Um, what was I going to say? So I, I would expect to see Stuart Skinner in one of those two games this week. Um, I think you're probably going to get him in the Chicago game. Uh, I, I would bet. Well, but it's a back-to-back, so I think that's a pretty fair bet. Yeah. Um, outside of him maybe playing St. Louis game. but Yeah, I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they, they end up going there. But, yeah, I, I just want them to... Just absolutely tune in Calgary on Saturday. That would be that would be a nice end to the week. Oh, um, I hope so, anything else? I just had one point. Retros, reverse retros. Oh yeah, those were leaked. I was about to say. I think that's the one point that I remember. And I will continue to say I don't love the orange oil drop. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I can't do it. Let's. Just, br- I'm just bringing up all the the that one photo that has everything in it. Where are we? But yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, it does kind of stand out. Um, there's a couple edits that I saw that were better, but is there any ones that, like, stand out to you that, like, obviously, if you had to pick the worst three? Oh, of all of the reverse yeah. retros? Yeah. Honestly, the ones that aren't very, like, I don't know, that they don't stray from stuff much, like the Detroit one I don't like. Yeah. I think it's the Chicago one I don't really like very much. Um, the ones I love, though, Florida... Is fantastic. Yeah, I would wear that patch. every single day. Um, I really, I love the Boston one because I love the Winnie the Pooh bear. <laughs> that shit makes me laugh. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the other ones. Which ones did you really like? Uh, well, yeah, the ones I hated were definitely Detroit and Chicago. It's just they felt like nothings. But I don't know what it is about Calgary's the White Sea. I just don't love it. But um, I don't know what's with the. Like the bottom banner that goes up toward the logo, so, I, that looks really fucking dumb to me. I don't know if people think that looks cool, but um, I saw Nation Dan. Speaking of him, um, 
he put a thing. He's like, if it's supposed to be a pedestal, shouldn't the sea be like upside down so the flames are like facing up? That's I a mean, good point. <laughs> that makes sense if that's the way that it works. I don't get it either. Um, Tampa's jersey looks pretty dumb. That was I, the one that's the worst. I don't like this the storm call thing or whatever that is. It's not looking cool. Ugh. Um, I will say I do love the classic purple and yellow um, LA Kings jerseys. Yeah. They really never go wrong on these. Like they always have amazing um, jerseys. Uh, I can't take the Seattle or Vegas reverse retro jerseys. <laughs> I think they should just like maybe step out and be like, yeah, it's fine. We don't have one. Don't worry about it. The one that gets uh, that a lot, it's getting a lot of hate that I think is actually like really fire is the Arizona Coyotes jersey. I don't know why it's getting hate. It looks fun. Yeah, it's, it's, I love it. And then to see the, uh, the Capitals, that old school logo come back. I like that. True. Same with the Penguins with the. Yeah, the triangle penguin. Yes. I don't know what the proper term is for that thing, but <laughs> and then uh, the Islanders brought back the fishermen too. That's how I know like I'm getting old is because like that triangle penguin was like my childhood growing up. That's what I remember the penguins by. And yeah. now, yeah, we're I'm getting old. That's some old. skating penguin. Nobody <laughs> knows what's going on. I do like as well that Nashville brought back the mustard cats. It took me a second. I didn't realize like what they changed, but yeah, I. Uh, I saw the comparisons. Holy, they're partying outside. Oh, that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, maybe we can use these fireworks as a good send-off for ourselves here. Yes, everybody is celebrating. The Oilers a 6-3 victory against the Penguins. Yeah, every win, we launch fireworks. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess next week's Halloween. Yeah, it yeah. is. So we'll, we'll figure things out. Well, podcast will be here. Oh, it'll be on Halloween. Yeah. Oh, shit. Does that mean Spooky. people are going to be ringing the doorbell the whole time we're recording the podcast? We'll figure that out. <laughs> okay. Jeez, I didn't even think about that. Okay, never mind. All right, if you're celebrating Diwali or you're celebrating Halloween, be safe, have fun. We'll see you next week.